Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of Kishé Jacobs, a 21-year-old woman who disappeared on September 26, 2016, from Richmond, Virginia. The night Kishé went missing, she told her mother she was spending the night at a friend's house and that she would call her in the morning. But Kishé never made that call, and no one ever spoke to Kishé again. Four and a half years later, Kishé is still missing. This is Kishé's story. I know I've said this before, but the stories of the missing are the most frustrating to cover because people don't just vanish. Something happens to them, either by choice or by force. And the reality is most people don't disappear by choice. And if they do, they usually have a lot of resources to move away from their real lives and start over. You know, they plan it out. They don't just disappear. And so a majority of the missing person cases we hear about, the victim did not leave by choice. And usually they had absolutely no reason to leave and abandon their families. There are people who would not allow their families to experience, you know, that level of loss just because they wanted to get away. Kishé's story is frustrating for that very reason. Kishé didn't disappear on her own. It wasn't a choice. Kishé was born on January 1st, 1995. She grew up in Richmond, Virginia, in a section of the city called Westover. Kishé was raised by her mother, Tony, who had two children, Kishé and her older brother, Devon, who was four years older than Kishé. Tony was a hardworking mother who made sure to give her children a happy life. Like most siblings, Kishé and Devon had their sibling beefs, but they still always had each other's back when it really counted. And I'm pretty sure those of you who grew up with siblings, you know, understand what that's like. In middle school and high school, Kishé was on the cheerleading squad and her mother, Tony, was the coach in middle school and high school. And growing up, Keisha was described by her mom, Tony, as shy but very loyal. And despite Keisha being shy, she made a lot of friends in middle school and high school, especially on the cheerleading squads. But 
Her loyalty to her friends often put Quiche in situations where she felt like she had to protect or defend her friends. And although it made Quiche's friends love her, it sometimes got her in trouble in school. When Quiche graduated from high school, she stayed at home with her mom while she decided what she was going to do with her life. Quiche ended up working at a few jobs to support herself. It was really important to Quiche to work and support herself. You know, she took pride in the fact that she didn't have to ask anybody for any money. And Quiche was a homebody for the most part. Like, she really didn't go out. She wasn't into the bar, the club scene. She really spent most of her time either at home or at work. So in 2016, her mother, Tony was working as a dispatcher, and Quiche and her mom were very close. And even though they lived together, Quiche would often call or text Tony while she was on her lunch break. And, you know, they would chat and or just, you know, check in about their days and, you know, talk to each other. So on September 26, uh, 2016, Tony stopped at home after she got off of work at around 5.30 p.m., And Tony was taking night classes at a local college during this time. And she needed to stop home so that she could get, you know, her stuff before she headed off to class. And according to Tony, when she got home that evening, Quiche came out to bring her her stuff. And Tony said her and Quiche sat in her car for a little while and they talked and then she headed off to class. Tony returned home at around 8.30 that night, and Quiche told her that she was going to go spend the night at a friend's house and that she would be back the next day. So Quiche gave her mom a hug, and she left. And then around 11.30 p.m. that night, Tony texted Quiche, who told her that, you know, she had made it to her destination safely. And Tony texted her and, you know, told her that, you know, she wanted her to be safe and that she didn't want anything to happen to her. And Quiche replied and said, you know, Mom, I'm fine. Nothing was going to happen, you know, to me. Um, And then she told her mom that she would see her in the morning. When Tony texted her daughter that night, she had no idea the hell that her life was about to become. The next morning, Tony woke up and went to work, expecting to get a call or text during her lunch break from Quiche like she normally would. So Tony normally would take her lunch break around 11 a.m., but Quiche didn't call or text her mom. So Tony, being a mom, immediately became a little worried because Quiche would have usually reached out to her by now. So Tony decided to text Quiche, but she didn't get a response. And so Tony called her son, Devon, to see if he had spoken to his sister. But he told his mom that he had not spoken to Quiche since the night before. But Devon also tried to calm his mom down by telling her that, you know, Quiche probably just hung out late and, you know, she would be home later. Tony tried not to worry, and there wasn't really much she could do at that point anyway because she was still at work. And I'm sure she was hoping that Devon was right. You know, maybe Quiche's phone was just dead and, you know, she would be there when she got home. But when Tony returned home that evening, Quiche still wasn't home. And she hadn't responded to any of her text messages, and her phone was going straight to voicemail. Tony had a bad feeling. Something was not right. She knew her daughter, and she knew she always answered her phone. It's definitely not like Quiche to just be gone without contacting her mother. So 
That night, after being riddled with worry and not being able to sleep, at 1 a.m., Tony went looking for Quiche. She got in her car and drove around their Richmond neighborhood looking for any signs of her daughter. She went to all of Quiche's friends' houses to see if Quiche was there or if anyone had spoken to her. But no one knew where Quiche was and no one had spoken to her. Tony came home in a full-blown panic. She called her sister hysterical, telling her, you know, something's wrong and that she couldn't find Quiche. And Tony's sister told her that she needed to call the police and report Quiche missing. But Tony decided not to call. She went to the police station at 2 o'clock in the morning to report that her daughter Quiche was missing. When Tony got to the station, she spoke to an officer and, you know, told them that her daughter was missing. But you can pretty much guess that the police were not very receptive to what Tony was saying about her daughter. And when they asked how old she was, the police said that, you know, she probably just did not want to be bothered. But Tony knows that Quiche being 21 means nothing. She knows her child and she knows her behavior. And Quiche would not just disappear because she didn't want to be bothered. But Tony is left with no other choice but to file a regular police report and wait. On September 28, 2016, two days after Quiche was last seen, Tony goes back to the police station and files a missing persons report. Tony said that at the time she filed the report, she was given a card of a detective and they told her that someone would be in contact with her. But Tony didn't hear from a detective. It was pretty obvious to Tony that no one was taking her daughter's disappearance seriously. During those crucial hours when Quiche was missing, police were not looking for her and possibly missed several opportunities to find evidence that may have helped them in the investigation. The police's justification is that they didn't have enough information in the beginning to start looking for Quiche. They only knew that she was supposed to have spent the night at a friend's house, but didn't return. And at that time, there were missing critical pieces of the puzzle that even Tony didn't have. She didn't know whose house Quiche had gone to on September 26th, and none of Quiche's friends told Tony anything about where Quiche had gone or who she was with. But Quiche's friends, for whatever reason, had not told Tony everything. Later that evening on the 28th, a few of Quiche's friends went to Tony's house to reveal that they know the location of the house where Quiche had gone that night. And the reason they knew was because they had actually dropped her off there. According to Quiche's best friend, he dropped Quiche off at the home of a man that he didn't know. And he told Tony that he dropped Quiche off with the belief that another female friend was going to be meeting her there. He told Tony that he'd even got a text from this female friend confirming that she was, in fact, meeting Quiche at the house. Now, Tony was both confused and upset because Quiche's friends said nothing about knowing where Quiche went that night. It was the first time they had mentioned this information to her. And so, as you can imagine, 
Tony was upset with Quiche's friends for not telling her the whole truth from the beginning. Quiche's friends tried to clean up their actions by telling Tony that they had gone by the house and spoke to the guy that lived there, but he told them that he hadn't seen Quiche. In fact, they went there right before coming to talk to Tony. Tony tells Quiche's friends to take her to the house because, you know, she wants to see what he knows or if her daughter is there. So the house where Quiche was said to have last been seen was about 10 miles from her home in another section of Richmond. So Tony finds out, you know, the location of the house and she goes over to confront whoever lives there to see if they know where Quiche was. When Tony knocks on the door to the house, a man answers the door. And Tony asks if he has seen Quiche. And the man who answered the door tells Tony that he had seen Quiche last on Monday at around 5 p.m. But Quiche was home Monday at 5 p.m. So when Tony tells him that, he suddenly changes his story and says it was 6 p.m. And then he says it was 7 p.m. And then he tells Tony that it was actually a completely different day altogether. But he tells Tony that Quiche had called a ride while she was at his house and left. Now, the conversation with the man who answered the door gave Tony a really bad feeling. She could tell right away that he was lying and that he was trying to hide something. So Tony called the Richmond Police Department. And Tony tells the, P- the, the police that, you know, she's at the home that Quiche's friends said they dropped her off at and that she ends up speaking to the man who lives in the house. But she tells police that she thinks that he's lying about the last time that he saw Quiche. So police go out and when detectives arrived at the home, They spoke to the man that lived there, and one of them actually ends up going inside and looks around the house, but there are no signs of Quiche. Tony is frustrated with what has been happening in the search for her daughter, but she and her family decide that they have to start searching on their own. The week after Quiche was last seen, her family started to organize a search in Richmond, They posted missing person flyers all over the city. You know, they were speaking to people, asking for any information about where Quiche may be. And Quiche's story starts to spread in Richmond. And not long after they started posting the missing person flyers, Tony received a call. And the call came from the person who owned the home where Quiche was last seen. He tells Tony that the man that was living in the house was a renter and that he has basically disappeared. And then he invites her to come to the house to look around. Now, let's keep in mind that this suspicious man that lived in this home where Quiche last seen has just abruptly left town in weeks after Quiche went missing. Like, just within weeks, all of a sudden, he's packed up his entire home and left. So, of course, Tony welcomes the opportunity to go to the house. You know, the homeowner, you know, was willing to let her search and she was going to go and, you know, see if she could find any evidence or any trace that Quiche was there or anything that she could tell the police. 
So the homeowner meets Tony there and he lets her into the home and he shows Tony around the house, but nothing suspicious immediately stands out about the house. But that was until he showed her a basement and this basement was located sort of in the back of the house. Tony realizes at that point that when the detectives came to the house to speak to the man that was living there at the time, they had only searched the first and second floor. They never looked in the basement. So Tony thinks that there's a possibility that Kishay could have been in the basement when the police came there and they never would have known. So... Tony calls the police to tell them, you know, what she's learned about the man who was living in the house and the house itself. Now, police end up coming back to the house and they were able to do a more thorough search of the property. They ended up bringing in cadaver dogs, but they were ultimately unable to find any sign of Quiche. Despite not finding any evidence at the property, however, police began to realize that Quiche did not run away. Police started searching around the neighborhood where Quiche was dropped off, but there were no traces of Quiche anywhere around the house either. Police also start to speak to Quiche's friends about the last night that she was seen. Now, earlier I said that her best friend said that he dropped Quiche off at that house and that she told him, you know, one of her girlfriends was going to meet her at the house. He had also told Tony that he got a text from that friend confirming that she was going to meet Quiche at the house. However, when that friend was questioned later by police, she denied sending that text message and said that she did not go to the house that night. Now, that may or may not be important, but to me, it raises a little red flag because it's strange that her best friend would say that he got a text message from someone and he didn't get the text message. That just seems very off. But there's no information about whether or not police, you know, searched her friend's phones or if they were able to gain any information from, you know, any searches of them or anything like that. So we don't really know if they were telling the truth or what the outcome of that was. But police did, however, search Kishay's phone, and they found out that Kishay's phone had been off since the night that she left her mother's house. They'd also searched her bank account, and there had been no activity since that night either. Kishay's phone was never located, neither was her ID or the bag that she took with her that night. Police were really starting to hit a dead end. There were no new leads coming in. The man who was said to have last seen Quiche has disappeared and they haven't been able to find any evidence. In the weeks following Quiche's disappearance, her family set up a Facebook page in an attempt to spread information about, you know, Quiche's missing person case. But instead of getting credible information about Quiche, Tony became the target of trolls and internet weirdos who started giving her fake information and even asking her for money in exchange for Quiche's return. And as the weeks and months went by, Quiche's case got colder and colder. 
there were no credible leads found, and the information that Tony was receiving from various sources wasn't leading to anything. But Tony refused to give up on her daughter. She refused to believe that she could not be found, and she was not going to give up until Quiche was back home. You know, nothing about what happened was right, and Tony knew that Quiche would never run away from home, and she was sure that someone was holding her against her will. But Tony believed, and still believes, that Quiche is alive. Quiche's family was able to raise $3,000 for reward for information. They hoped that, you know, offering reward would encourage people to come forward with information, but it didn't, and no credible leads came in. Quiche's brother, Devon, took her disappearance especially hard. You know, he was her older brother, and he felt like it was his job to protect his sister, and he couldn't. He carried that guilt with him constantly in the months after Quiche vanished. Devon had, you know, fallen in with a bad crowd, and he had ended up serving a year in jail. And he had just come home just eight days before Quiche went missing. So for him, you know, her being gone was really, really difficult. He had missed so much time with his sister, and, you know, now she was gone. But Devon was also close to his mom, Tony, and after Quiche disappeared, he made sure that he always called her to check in, whether it was day or night. Three long months had gone by, and there was still no sign of Quiche. Despite searches and pleas to the public, there was no new information coming in. On January 8th, 2017, Devon called his mom that evening like he normally would, and she was getting ready to go to bed. And he chatted with Tony for a little while, and then, you know, she told him she was going to go to bed, and he told her he would talk to her the next day. And Tony goes to bed. But in the middle of the night, she gets a knock on her door. It's her nephew. And he tells Tony that someone just sent him a message telling him that someone has shot Devon and that Devon was dead. Police had found Devon in a Motel 6 suffering from gunshot wounds. He was pronounced dead at the scene. And as if having your daughter disappear wasn't enough, Tony now had to deal with the death of her oldest child, her only son. There were not a lot of details about Devon's murder. But his murderer was initially charged with his murder and was eventually convicted, but he was given an extremely light sentence. James Crenshaw was a 39-year-old white man who had allegedly rented a car for Davon that Crenshaw said Davon didn't return. The two men were said to have been arguing about the car when a fight broke out, resulting in Crenshaw shooting and killing Davon. Now, I don't know what the nature of their relationship was, you know, doesn't really seem like Davon would hang out with Crenshaw or, you know, it doesn't seem like they would be friends, but there's no explanation of what their relationship was or how they knew each other. 
But it was also alleged that Crenshaw had shot at Devon a few weeks earlier while Devon was at his girlfriend's house. But like I said, he was ultimately convicted, but was given a really light sentence. And in 2019, he was granted a new trial and then ultimately offered a plea deal that allowed him to reduce his sentence to just three years. And that was just another heart-wrenching blow for Tony. Tony was now without either of her children, forced to bury her 25-year-old son with her daughter still missing. I, I really don't know what kind of strength that must take, you know, waking up every morning knowing that both of your children are gone and one of them you don't even know where she is. Tony buried her son and she grieves his death every day. But she has also not given up her fight to find Quiche. It has been four and a half years since Quiche disappeared. Her case has gone cold. There aren't any recent updates about her case or any new leads, but in the years following Quiche's disappearance, Tony has channeled her pain into activism. She partnered with the city of Richmond to establish a Missing Persons Day that takes place in April, and she tries to help other families with people, um, loved ones who are missing. The fact that the police found such little evidence makes it seem like Quiche really did just vanish into thin air. But she didn't. Someone knows what happened to Quiche. And Tony will not stop fighting until Quiche is home. Quiche Jacobs was 21 years old when she was last seen in Richmond, Virginia. She would be 26 years old now. She is five foot three inches tall, and at the time she vanished, she weighed 100 pounds. Please share Quiche's story. And if you have any information about Quiche's whereabouts or any information about the night she disappeared, please contact the Richmond Police Department. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new story. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps our show grow. If you can't get enough Black Girl Gone and you want to support the show, make sure you sign up for our Patreon to get an exclusive mini-sode in between episodes. As always, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Black Girl Gone Podcast. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.